0: Turning your Bible to the book of Judges, Judges chapter 6, Judges chapter 6, verse 11. Uh, I, I, I trust that this is an intelligent church and you are able to turn and clap at the same time. Somebody say, multitask. I want to take a moment and just go nuts for the over 1,700 Dream Team members, the over 51 staff members. Come on, can you celebrate every leader here at Union Church? Last week, across all five of our locations, they hosted 21 different services from Friday to Sunday. Y'all. That means they sang that same song. By, the, by that last service, you were probably like, <laughs> sang the same song 21 times and told the same corny joke 21 times, and, but it was worth it, worth it to lay out a red carpet for every single person that calls Union Church home and every person that found home that Sunday. Y'all ready to go nuts? We had... 13,597 people walked. That's like a whole city that came to church last Sunday. That was cool. I know you're sitting. You do have to stand for this one. You'll be all right. We had 1,723 people give their life to Jesus, that's somebody's daughter, somebody's father, somebody's co-worker, somebody's neighbor, somebody's friend who was woken up last week and eternity is forever transformed. Thank you. Thank you. Grab your seat. Thank you for inviting. Thank you for coming. If this is your second time at Union Church, last week was your first time, we're going to let you in a little secret. We were planning for you for like the last three months, praying and preparing and making sure that you have the best opportunity to encounter Jesus and encounter a community of faith that is for you and loves you. And here's what I know. A whole bunch of people came back this week just to see if last week was fake. Ah, they were all friendly last week and smiling and all that. That's because it was Easter. But I'm going to see the real them this week. Well, you're going to see the real us this week. you going to find out we're just as crazy as we were last week. And God is just as real as he was last week. Amen? Amen. Plus, it's Baptism Sunday if you're... Come on. At, that's the opportunity to go public with the fact that God has changed you on the inside. I encourage you, don't miss out on that. Judges chapter six, verse 11. Judges chapter six, verse 11. If you're ready, somebody say, yeah. yeah. Here we go, it says this. Now, the angel of the Lord. We ain't get too far in this before I start adding commentary. When you read the Bible, if it says an angel, that means some random angel. If it says the angel, that's Jesus. Y'all know Jesus ain't supposed to come to Matthew, right? But he breaks his own rules when his people are in need. It says, the angel of the Lord came and sat under a terabith tree, which was in Orpah, which belonged to Joash the Asbirite. Whoa, that's fun. While his son Gideon... Threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. I can't be ignorant, but remember back in the 90s, every men's breakfast was called Mighty Men of Valor. (laughs) Give us some turkey bacon and some eggs and tell us how the Holy Spirit's inside of us. (laughs) Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord. If the Lord is with us, why then the sickness, the job loss, the broken relationships? If God's with me, how come all this happened to me? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us Into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? I wonder if Gideon would have changed his posture if he knew he was arguing with the Messiah. If he realized it wasn't just some foot soldier angel. But it was the king of kings. I wonder how many times Stephen Chandler has argued. Not realizing that it was God. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, "Oh, oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. The Lord said to him, surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man that he said to him, if now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. I've got a message for you today. The title is kind of strong. Uh, It's going to be biblical at the end, so don't don't get mad at me. (laughs) You ready for the title? Today's message is entitled, What God Sees Doesn't Matter. what God sees. I told you it's going to be strong. It's going to be strong. We're, going to, we're in the Word, though. We're going to clean it. up. So let's pray. Father God, we're grateful. We're thankful, God, that, that we don't have to beg to be with you. We don't have to stretch and cut ourselves and dance. God, you long to be with your children. You said where there are two or three gathered in your name, there you will be also, which means, God, you're here. You're in every room that we're gathered in, God. And if you're here, God, heaven is here. God, we pray that you'd speak. Heal, deliver, open blind eyes, do what only you can do. But here's our prayer, that we would never, ever, ever be the same after this encounter. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, and amen, and amen. I, I think it is uh, safe to say that that global pandemic, Uh, that we went through is somewhat over. Um, I think people are pretty much, okay, good, safe. May throw a mask on once in a while, but I've I've got this. I have to be honest with you, I kind of miss the mask. (laughs) Because, I mean, not too much, but you, you remember during mask season when you had to run to the supermarket you didn't feel like brushing your hair, brushing your teeth. What'd you do? Threw a mask on, grab a baseball cap, nobody knows you. You just kind of go, and you're... I don't know how Barbara's made it through, because as soon as people realize you can't see me, Not one shape-up was had for about nine months straight. The problem is that while the the, the pandemic is over and masks are off, some people don't realize masks are off. (laughs) And they picked up some hygiene habits. (laughs) When masks are on, that they didn't quite drop now that they're off. You... Twelve feet away from somebody, and you could just smell what they had for lunch yesterday. You're like, you realize you don't have a mask on anymore. You might want to hit that Colgate just one time. Just, just one time. He's got a big old Philadelphia beer. It's just grown out. Just you know, a shape up once a year. It's just, it's just the worst thing ever. If, if I were to preach, we're starting a brand new sermon series today called Mask Off. And by the way, Union Church, I love you. You know why I love you? Because you wear your emotions on your sleeve. Anytime I get anywhere close to something that's political or whatever, y'all just... <laughs> Mask? Where's he going with this? What he about to say? How dare he... <laughs> we going to have fun. If I were to preach this four years ago, it would just be kind of like, ah, this idea. But because most of us spent nine plus months in a mask, wearing a mask is a lot more real and tangible and relevant to us than, than it would have ever been at any other point in our lives. Masks are beneficial for, for, for keeping germs out, for, for not spreading whatever it is you may have. But they're also really beneficial for hiding as well I mean we, we, we did it almost for nine months you put a mask on come on touch your shame devil you don't got to raise your hand just, just think about it during the mask season did you ever walk by somebody you recognize come on tell, am I the only one but they didn't recognize you especially this hair I throw it under a hat boy you can't tell me from no and it's kind of like they don't see me. They don't see me. They don't see. It's not that you don't want to talk to them. You just didn't want to talk to them. You just. I just came to get some gas, came to get some bread or whatever it may be. And, and there's something about a mask that I can fly under the radar and not have to be bothered with whatever it is. I don't want to be bothered. With, But what we don't realize is while we've taken off physical masks, all of us to a certain extent still wear a mask. Some of us, we wear it for safety. Some of us, we wear it because we don't trust people. Some of it, we wear it because we're ashamed of who we are or whatever it may be. But my my goal over the next four weeks is to get you to take your mask. And realize that there's something under that mask that God made. And that he has a plan and a purpose for. And that is the version where you will live your best life. Judges chapter 6, we find this man by the name of Gideon. And the Bible gives us just so many just little fascinating clues that, that can literally blow your mind. The Bible says that Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press. And as I'm looking at this and y'all I don't thresh wheat. I don't know <laughs> if you do. I don't, I don't thresh wheat. I don't even go to the supermarket. I just pull the app out. It isn't at the front door. So I had to Google what threshing wheat looks like. And you got these long stalks of wheat, but it's only the kernels on the top that are edible. And you've got to beat the top to actually break the kernels. But along with the kernels comes the shaft of the wheat and they actually have to throw it up and they have a fan blowing that separates. And you've heard this biblically, the shaft from the wheat. It was an extensive Process. Now, you know what a wine press is. It's a big basin where they would throw grapes in and people would either stomp them with their feet or press them. And they would have different funnels on the side to catch them and to begin to ferment the juice. wine press and, and wheat thrashing don't mix. But Gideon came up with this bright idea that if the enemy ever walked by, he would assume it's a wine press. He's making wine. There's no way that he would be threshing wheat. Let me hide out here and mask what I'm doing so the enemy can't steal it. So here is Gideon in a position where he's hiding from the enemy just to feed his family. And God comes to him and he says, Gideon... You're hiding from something I called you to conquer. You're running from something that I called you to overcome. You're afraid of something that, if you understood who you were, you would realize that it is afraid of you. God came to Gideon like he comes to so many of us. He said, hey, you're, you're hiding from things. You're running from things. You're, you're masking from things that if you just understood who you are in me, you would realize that that thing should be running from you. I'm going to give you just three quick thoughts. Three quick thoughts. The first one is this. How you see you matters more. How, can, can I give you the real point number one except it was too long to fill on the screen how you see you matters more than how God sees you because the future of your life is based on how you see you now I, I, I am one of the biggest sports fans out there I, uh, I, I try to go to bed on time except Golden State they kind of dragged it out last night and, but they lost so I'm happy it's all the way good and I realize that not everybody in the church is a Christian or a sports fan, and we could fix both of those things <laughs> at the end of this service. But for those of you who love Jesus and thus you love sports, you know the NFL draft is coming up at the end of this month, April 25th. And I'm, I'm weird. I'm such a sports fan, you i watch the draft. And I'm not talking about like the first round. I'll watch the third round and the fourth round and the fifth round. And it, it's, it's just, um, it's just one of those things to see someone's entire family's life change off of one card opening and a name being called. It's also a little dramatic because they invite like 50 athletes to the actual ceremony for the first round. Because they want these athletes to be able to stand up, hug mom, shake dad's hand, dab up the agent, and walk, <laughs> forgot the shy chick, but anyway, and walk up. <laughs> i be looking at her and be like, he's going to dump you tomorrow. You got to know that. Anyway, walk up, shake the commissioner's hand, and get his... Jersey, But there's this awkward thing because they invite 50 individuals, but there's only like 32 selections in the first round. And there's always that one person that their agent told them, their mama told them, you're going to go number one. Then they pick number one and they're still sitting there. Oh, that means you're going number two. Number 22 is picked, and and you can just see them. Their camera is on them, so they can't like leave, but they're they're fidgeting and they're awkward and they're just like, ugh. Sometimes they'll drop out of the first round into the second, sometimes out of the second into the third. I told y'all I'm into it, like I study it all the way. Dropping from the first round pick to the third round pick sometimes is as much as $5 million that you miss out on (laughs) just dropping two slots in the draft I began to do some research about some of the greatest NFL players ever to live people like Bo Jackson drafted in the last round of the NFL people will argue that Tom Brady is the greatest football player ever to live he is the Michael Jordan of football drafted in the seventh round Shannon Sharp, some people argue top five tight end ever to live, guaranteed Hall of Famer, seventh round. How people see you is not quite as important as how you see you. Because they may see you as not worth the first round pick, the second round pick, the third round pick, or the seventh round pick. But if you know who you are, you know what you're capable of, you know what's placed inside of you, you know I may not be the most talented, but I'm the hardest working. I've got the most vision, and you can't out-hustle me. You can have 199 people pass on you and still end up in the Hall of Fame. You better preach the NFL draft. (laughs) One of the most heartbreaking things as a pastor is to see potential in people that they don't see in themselves. It's to see the marriage that you could have, the joy that you could walk in, the way that God could use you, the the kids that you could, the future that you could have. And I've learned the hard way that what I see in people doesn't matter as much of what they see in themselves. Because how you see you Matters more than anything else. Judges chapter 15, chapter 6, verse 15. Here's here's what Gideon told the creator of the universe when when God told Gideon, you're my chosen one to, to deliver my people to defeat the Midianites. Gideon said, you got the wrong guy. He said, oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Have you met my family? See, you know where I come from. I grew up in Woodlawn. Nothing good. <laughs> you can't say that because you didn't grow up in Woodlawn. I did, so I, I can say that. But don't be saying that from Owens Mills because I fight you. <laughs> he said, indeed, my clan is the weakest in all of the tribes. And I am the least important person to my father. Here it is, God telling Gideon, here's what I've placed inside of you. Here's what you're capable of. And Gideon doesn't respond by, is that who you see me as? Is that what you think my future is going? No, Gideon said, you've got the wrong guy because I know my story no more than I know the voice of God. And the voice of God says I'm a mighty man of valor, but my story says I'm insignificant. I'm overlooked, and the odds are against me, and I don't have what it takes to accomplish what you've called me to accomplish without even realizing it. A lot of us believe what our story says about us more than what God says about us. God says you're an overcomer. God says you're a victor. God says you're the head and not the tail. God says you're forgiven. He says you're a new creation. He says greater is what he's placed inside of you than anything that you could face in the world. God says, I've got a great future for you. And without even realizing it, our response is, nope. You got the wrong guy. You got the wrong girl. That can't be my story. Did you forget about the abortion? Did the divorce slip your mind? Did that bankruptcy? Did the fact that I grew up in a single parent home or got pregnant young or whatever it is that we throw in God's face to refute the fact that he placed greatness in each and every one of us? And without even realizing it, we throw on these mass, these perceptions, these personas to, to cover over the fact that I really don't feel like I am E. Because here's the reality, if I'd refuse to accept what God says about me, insecurity is the only other option. The only place that security comes from is what he says about me. And what we don't realize is because so many people around us live with so many different masks on, we've actually replaced the word mask with personalities or Enneagram or or Disc or Myers-Briggs or... All these different things that, that, that we've labeled, this is who I am. But, but if I would be honest, it's not really who I am. It's who the insecure, unhealthy version of me is. So both fall into one of two categories. We, we either hide and we shrink back because we don't feel like we are enough or we over project. <laughs> oh no, 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 no. I'm a behind the scenes person. I I I don't really I don't know, like to be up front. I'm nope, 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 nope. Well, he said you're the head, not the tail. So why are you saying no when he says I'm gonna open doors in front of great people? Some of them are like, hey, pick me. Choose me. You need to know me. I've got a lot to offer. If you only knew. I'm I'm, I'm intelligent. I'm I'm wealthy. And I'm funny. And I'm educated. And Hey, 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 hey. It's not like a puppy. Her, 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 her. You ever walked in your house and ignored your dog, and the dog? Would, her, 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 her. I won't stop. Till you see me. See me. Maybe it's just my dog. And yet he said. If you will humble yourself, I'll be the one that exalts you. But if you exalt yourself, you're going to force me to. The Bible says this in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, watch this, the lust of the flesh, how I feel, the lust of the eyes, what I see, and the pride of life, how I'm perceived, is not of the Father, but is of the world. We're teaching today. Y'all ready? I've got two options. I either find my confidence in what my Father says about me. Or the only other option, whether it's hiding or over-projection, is insecurity. And that insecurity will fall in one of three categories. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of, what does that look like practically? I don't have what I need. I am not enough. The people around me cannot give me enough. And if, without even realizing it, we live from a position of, I'm not enough, so I shouldn't try that. Or I'm not enough, so I've got to over-project so they don't realize it. I, I don't have the right resources, so let me not even put myself out there. I don't have the right re- so let me go get everything that I can so I won't be behind. People aren't attracted to me, so I'm not even going to put myself out there. People aren't attractive, so I'm gonna make them be it. And it's all based from the fact that I've chosen to love what my story says about me instead of what my father says. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 24 says this to Jesus, the mediator of a new. Covenant and to the sprinkled blood. Leave that verse up. Let me preach this for a second. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I know you got a story. Yeah. He, I, he said, I've been watching your story. It's, it's how I, I got the intersection because I waited for your story to set you up to be most susceptible. To ex- I know your story. But he said, because of my blood on the cross, I chose to interrupt your story. Your story prior to me was a little jacked up. i ain't gonna lie. i go hold you. Yeah, it was bad. Me and the angels saw that. We we were concerned. We'll talk about <laughs> that Cabo trip later. We did see that. We were. We were worried. We were worried. But for the blood of Jesus, he said, I am the one who's doling out, who's mediating a new covenant. What is the new covenant? The new covenant is because of the blood of Jesus, your old story doesn't define you. His story defines you. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that his new covenant, the sprinkled blood, that his blood speaks. And it speaks a better word. Then the blood of Abel, you could take that down. What's the blood of Abel? It's the first murder ever to take place in history. Where God told Cain, do you not think that your sin doesn't cry out to me? And what God was saying is up until the point of my sprinkled blood, the sin of the world was crying out for vengeance. But because of the blood of, he said, I'm speaking a better word. And the word that I speak, oh, you've got to allow it to supersede the word that you've accepted about yourself. So, so here's a simple, practical question. What have you accepted about yourself? And is it what Jesus says about you? Some of us have accepted the only thing I have to offer is my intelligence. So I'm going to make sure that I'm the brainiest, smartest person in every single room I go into. And God says over to you, there's so much more to you. Some of you accepted that because this person walked out and that person walked out and that person walked out, that you're not worth anybody being loyal to. And God says, I didn't walk out. I thought you were worth me bankrupting heaven just so that I can call you family. Second thing is this, write this down right here. How, how, how you see God determines everything. How you see you matters more than how God sees you, but how you see God actually determines how you see you. Verse 13 says this, Gideon said to him, okay, this is, this is like old school Bible study. Think, you came to church on Sunday morning, but we're here for Wednesday night. You ready? Here we go. Look at the verse. It says, Gideon said to him, oh my, read that word. Lord. You see, Lord? Yeah. Is it uppercase or lowercase? Uppercase. What? Is it uppercase? Is it... Oh, they messed it up on the screen. Sorry, guys. <laughs> you see, that's why you should bring a paper Bible to church. <laughs> We're going to fix that the next, the next service. Okay. I don't know. Uh-oh, uh-oh. We'll see. Come on. Can, can you get that? I don't know. We're going to see. I'm we're, we're messing production right now. Zoom in. Uh-oh. Three, two. Okay. Yeah, there's no way y'all can read that. <laughs> I tried. Microscopic. It's lowercase. Gideon said, oh, my, lowercase, Lord. What was he meaning? He was being polite, but he didn't know he was talking to God. He said, oh, my, whoever you are. If God is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about saying, did the Lord not bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. I don't know if you have a sense of humor, but you don't because you're not laughing because you missed how crazy this is. Gideon is talking to God and saying, God, you've abandoned us. Could you imagine being God? Looking around like, I thought I came. (laughs) Apparently, I didn't. He said, You've abandoned. He said, The God that I heard about from my parents that delivered us from Egypt, where is he now? I don't see him. And here's Wednesday night Bible study already. Based on the circumstances of my life, there's no way God could be here. It's because we don't read our Bible. Jesus died on a cross. If he were to say, based on the circumstances of my execution... Clearly I am outside of the will of God. Because the will of God would have never entailed this. But when we understand our faith is not a get out of problems pass. It's not a, oh, you know that really dumb song that they sing? Easy like Sunday morning, That was kind of on. That was, that was. I kind of hit that note. I'm a worship team auditions. I'll go on next time. No, 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 no. He didn't say life would be easy. He didn't even say it'd be perfect. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He said, you'll never get in the situation that you can't get out of because I am with you and I've placed my presence inside of you. But here's the problem. If we see him as a liar, If you see him as one who's abandoned and is late and is forsaken and all these different types of things, we won't see him in a situation. And watch this. If you can't see him, you can't see you. Because you are a reflection of, I'm having fun, I'm moving slow. The only way you can see you is small is if you make God small. The only way you can see you as weak is if you make God weak. The only way you can see you as not enough is if you make God not enough. Because the way we see him determines how we see Romans chapter 8 verse 11 says this. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through his spirit who dwells in you. I'm not talking to you, I'm just talking to myself and we can jump under the bus together. You you ever said to yourself, I can't take much more of this? You know what you really were saying? God can't take much more of this. Because the Bible says that God lives in you. And he said, everything that God has access to, the resurrection power of God, your physical mortal body has access. I'm preaching to myself. I'm not preaching to you. This is convicting the snot out of me. So when I say I can't take much more, when I say I don't know if I, I if, if I get one more call, one more text, one more email, I just I just, what I'm really saying without even realizing is this is too much for God because God is in Go back to the last verse. First John chapter 4 verse 17 says this, love has been perfected among us in this that we may have Not insecurity, not fear, not hiding. Boldness in the day of judgment. Watch this. Because as Jesus is. You know how people are so worried about heresy? But yet we read heresy into the Bible every time we open it. We think that says, as Jesus is, so will we be. When we get to heaven, oh, when we all get to heaven, what a damn. God said, rejoice now, because as I was on the earth, so you will be on this earth. The same peace, the same joy, the same power, the same purpose. Because of my blood that was shed, you have access to everything that I have access to. Union Church, I ain't preaching to you, I'm just preaching to myself. On the occasions, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, sometimes Saturday, when I don't feel enough. The issue is not that life is overwhelming. The issue is not that I don't have, one. the issue is that my vision of who God is is this? I say this every week, and I know it's funny every week, but y'all got to be grateful that Stephen Chandler ain't God, because the Bible would have been nothing but the ground opening and people dropping and disappearing. God did it like twice, and he's like, I got to chill. I got to chill. I gotta... There ain't going to be none of them left if I keep doing this. I'm showing up, and I'm saying, I left heaven before I was supposed to come to earth and marry just to tell you that you're great, that you're an overcomer, that I see you, and I got a plan and a purpose for your life, and you've got the nerve to tell me who your daddy is and where you grew up from and why this can't work and that can't work. and this. Do you know who I am? And if Gideon would be honest, he would say, actually... I don't. That's why I'm running my mouth. Because I don't know who you are. And because I don't know who you are, I don't know who I am. So we find ourselves in positions where we're overextended and we're exhausted. And we're trying to do life in our own strength. Because we've missed the fact that all that I need is not in my ability but it's in who my father is. Last thing is just write this down, write this down. So how I see me matters more than how God sees me. Because my life will never be what God says it will be. It will always be what I have faith for it to believe. Bible says all the promises of God are yes and... He says the yes, the amen is spoken by... Until you agree with what God says about you, it'll never be your future. And I can't see me until I see him because I I was made in his image. If, If I see him as someone who's abandoned, forsaken, overlooked, incapable, I'll see myself as an orphan and end this by myself. But if I see him, as the Bible says, that when I'm faithless, he is faithful because that is who he is. If I see that everything he does is good, and if it's not good, he's not doing what he did, he's still working on it. If I see him as the one who left his divinity just to come purchase me here on earth, if if that's how I see him, inevitably that's how I see myself. Ready for the last one? You see others how you see you. So, so we called it mask off. We probably misnamed it. Should have been like sunglasses. <laughs> or distorted. Because how I see God determines how I see me. But how I see me determines how I see you realize how this affects every inch of your life. Yes. <laughs> it says this in verse 2 of Judges chapter 7. The Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. Sometimes you got to read the Bible slowly and preach it to yourself. Can we, lead the verse up, can we preach it to ourselves? God says, You've got too many friends for me to do the miracle in your life that you're praying for. Oh, that's not, no, bro, that ain't what I came for. Nah, that's. Ah, can I preach? There are too many people that can take credit for your success. For God to open the door that he wants to open in your life. There are too many people that you are trying to keep happy for God to be able to do what he wants to do in your life. He said, there's too many people around you for me to defeat your enemy. Lest they claim the glory. saying, my own hand has saved me. And here Stephen is, not you, because you got a lot more faith than Stephen, though. but here is Stephen. Not not a Sunday. Sunday, I put my mask on. I got my church mask on, so I look full of faith on a Sunday, but huh, catch me on a Monday. You're going to catch me. God, why they had to leave, and why by myself, and why I can't find this person, why I can't... Why, why? I don't have the people that I need to accomplish what you've called me to accomplish, and God is saying, I sent you who you needed, and if you needed somebody that wasn't there, I would have sent them... The fact that they're not there is the reason why I'm able to do what I want to do in your life because it wouldn't be a miracle. But here's the deal. If I don't know who God is, I don't know who I am. If I don't know who I am, I think that I'm not enough. And when I think that I'm not enough, I will rely on people more than I should. So here we are chasing people because we feel like we can't have the life that we envision without this person here and that person there and this person there. And God says, you got too many people. This is what they don't preach. We preach. Go to Connect Group. Find more people. <laughs> and please do that still. You got the wrong people. Anyway. God says... If I'm going to do a miracle, I'm going to use that miracle to point people to my greatness. There's too many people in your life that can take credit for my miracle. By the way, they were facing an army of over 300,000, and they had like 20,000. He still says too much. (laughs) Once again when I don't know who he is. I don't know who I am. And if I were Gideon, I would say dumb stuff like, it may be too many people for you. Because you're God. The winds and the waves will play you. You just be killing people with hailstones like, you're the Lord of Angel Army. I... (laughs) I'm not, I'm not the King of Kings. I'm not the Lord of Lords. The winds and the waves don't obey me. I'm not the Lord of angel armies. I'm just Stephen. I need my cronies. (laughs) And God is like, greater am I in you than anything that will come again. But you will never realize, play, I'm done. Tell them all you got. So tell them go home. Could you imagine that speech? Hey, y'all. I'm not yelling because I want nobody to hear me. God said if you're scared, you could go home. Thousands of soldiers say less. <laughs> Yo. It took every bit of the Holy Ghost for Gideon not to leave with him. Y'all leave, I'm out. I was just fine threshing wheat in a wine press. By the way, Gideon never cried out to God for deliverance. He was perfectly happy being masked. But God said, my name is on you. I can't let you live beneath what I died for on the cross. My name is on you. My reputation is on me. People are going to look at you and they're going to attribute it to me. So you might be fine living beneath who I've called you to be. But as far as heaven is concerned, that is unacceptable. Broke it down a couple thousand. God said it's still too many. Bruh takes the 10,000 down to 300. Because God says, I could do more through 300 who know who I am than I could do through tens of thousands that think they are enough. Paul said, I know I'm not enough. I actually celebrate in the fact that I'm not enough. Because when I'm weak, that's when the strength of God yeah. Yeah. is revealed. It's week one. We got, we got four weeks of this, so maybe crack your mask. You don't got to take it off yet. Just But here's my prayer. God, I want to see you in a way I've never seen you before. Because, God, if I see you, I'm going to start seeing me. I start seeing me. I'm gonna we'll start having realistic expectations of those around me. Father God, we're grateful, God. We're thankful. God, you have the nerve to put your glory on your people, to fashion us, to form us in your image, to place your resurrection power in our lives. And God, I'm praying like Paul prayed. That the eyes of our heart would be open, that we could see you so we can see ourselves, so we can see those around us. Right where you're sitting with your eyes closed and your head bowed, if you could pray this prayer with me and say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And just give God a moment to make this time, to make this message personal to you. Some of you have been doubting yourself. Some of you have been overprojecting yourselves. And God says, you're going to see yourself because today you're going to see me. For some of you, if you'd be honest, you'd say, pastor, I've, I've never, I've never seen God in my life. Maybe you're like me and you grew up in church and you went through the motions, but it never meant anything for you. Maybe you were following God at at a season, but life's circumstances kind of pulled you away. Or maybe you're new to this, and you say, Pastor, I I don't have God in my life the way you're talking about, but I know I need him. That's you. He's here for you in this moment. He's just waiting for you to respond. You say, Pastor, that's me. I need Jesus in my life right where you're sitting. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for seeing me before I ever saw you. Thank you for dying on the cross, for shedding your blood that rewrote my story, all of my sin, all of my mistakes, everything I'm ashamed of erased in the blood of Jesus. Right now, I surrender. I give you all of me. Be my Lord, be my Savior, and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on. Can you celebrate for every...